welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerba. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, welcome to this week. Oh my goodness, we have been just on our podcast game mm-hmm. today. Yay. So, yay, we're way ahead of schedule, and we've had quite a few births over March and April. Mm-hmm. And it made us think that we have been getting a lot of the same questions from people lately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we thought we would talk about kind of the three most common concerns that newly postpartum parents seem to have, or at least the ones that they ask us about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, we both have been, to, I'm trying to think, I know we just, we just talked about peer review and we just did peer review, but I think we had, well, we just had quite a few births over March and April. Mm-hmm. And I think I got at least six um, emails or phone calls about the umbilical cord. So that's definitely going on it. Although that's not the first thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. What, what kind of questions have you gotten a lot of? Um, uh, always about breathing. Yes. And what else? The, um, oh, the fussy babies, like on the second day. Yes. Like, second yes, night, yes. actually. Second <laughs> night. Yeah. It's never during the day. Yes. <laughs> if only we knew why everything happened at night, we would be in good shape. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's start with the breathing, breathing and um, that kind of stuff. Cause I think, you know, breathing is sort of 101. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the kind of gist of the questions that you're getting? So, I mean, first of all, we always review breathing when mm-hmm. we're, you know, before we leave their house. Um, but generally what I say is that newborns should have erratic breathing. You know, it's really normal. That's, you know, they might hold their breath for a second and then like go and then, <gasps> you know, and that kind of stuff (laughs) and like make weird noises and, you know, it looks really weird, but this is all normal. They're just like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just like acclimating. But if they are panting, you know, steadily, that is more concerning. And, um, you know, we basically, it's all about looking for signs of respiratory distress. So nasal flaring and retractions and Mm-hmm. that kind of thing so we always review mm-hmm. it but we often get mm-hmm. questions anyway yeah not only do we review it uh-oh there's there's lawn equipment stuff happening outside my window oh, Can I can't you hear, hear it? it okay good <laughs> there's a party next door at right. my house. so, <laughs> there, so. I'd rather have your party than lawn <laughs> um we also have a handout that's in our resources and mm-hmm. that gets emailed out to everybody at 36 weeks mm-hmm. although I find that the reading of the handouts is fairly unpredictable Mm-hmm. Um, but we do try, so we try to talk about it. We try to give them written information and it's still, it's still confusing. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to believe that that irregular breathing is normal. Mm-hmm. I think it's just cause it's yeah. so not how we breathe. And I think right. that that's just a little bit of a, uh, a leap of faith. Right. Um, and also along with that, I find that people ask a lot about gagging 
they'll say choking. They don't mean choking. They mean gagging. But gagging or clearing mucus or secretions or fluids from mm-hmm. the throat, mm-hmm. um, that's really normal. Babies do that. And sometimes mm-hmm. they do it with coughing and sneezing. So it looks more normal or more what we're used to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're just kind of working up some mucusy stuff still. Yeah. For like a whole 24 hours or more, you can just have globs of goo come up mm-hmm. or and vomit. They can vomit it yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. They can spit yeah. up the amniotic fluid, you know, unless there's something pretty wrong at the birth, we don't suction a baby. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very normal for there to be secretions, but um, just they're still working on getting them out. Mm-hmm. So um, the one of the things about the breathing instructions that I find is misinterpreted or confusing to clients or new parents is that grunting is a sign of distress, but babies do make noise. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, that nuance between grunting and normal newborn noises is confusing, I think to people. Yeah. Um, and what I say is that if the baby is making a noise with every single breath and the breaths are fast and regular, that's a sign that the baby's in distress. Mm -hmm. So if it's like, that's a sign of a problem, mm-hmm. but babies do make noise. And so it is, you know, that's yeah. something that you can expect to see is just cute little noises, but they shouldn't be regular like that. Right. Right. Sometimes they think grunting sounds cute. They think the baby's making cute little noises. Yeah. Yeah. So it can go uh, both ways. I, when Hayden was born, he we were saying that he was singing <laughs> but but like r- reflecting you know all these years was later grunting? I think I wonder if he was grunting you know now I don't remember what it sounded like so it's like I don't know but he was making these funny noises that we were like oh he's singing mm-hmm. probably not <laughs> <laughs> I do think it can go it can be misinterpreted both ways parents can either think the grunting yeah. sounds really cute and uh, and downplay yes. it <laughs> Or they can think that normal newborn no- noises are really concerning when in fact babies make noise. Right, right. So I don't know. It can, it can kind of go both ways. Yes. Um, but to go along, and you posted some of this on um, last week's blog, or I guess it'll be a couple weeks before this podcast airs. But um, re- in a recent blog, you posted about acrocyanosis, which is the hands and feet being blue. And you talked mm-hmm. about signs of central cyanosis and con- mm-hmm. more concerning cyanosis. So, so, you know, if this breathing pattern that you're seeing is accompanied by blue or gray or pale mucous membranes, like the tongue and the lips mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. chest, those are, those are concerning. Mm-hmm. Those are concerning. Yeah. Signs, yeah. signs yeah. that the baby's struggling to get enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then retractions, I find a lot of times I have to describe what those look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of like, you know, like the flesh is sucking in around the ribs. And if you've had, if you've ever known somebody that had RSV or pneumonia as a child, you know, if you've seen something like that, it looks like that. It's very Mm -hmm. similar to that. But a lot of people haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Lucky them. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and the other thing that can be misinterpreted is that babies are belly breathers. And so mm-hmm. you'll see the diaphragm moving and right. that's normal. The diaphragm yeah. moves out. Yeah. But, but the, the sternum or the ribs sucking in is concerning. 
mm-hmm. and it's just sometimes it's just hard to tell what's what yeah 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 so sometimes I'll have people send me videos of their baby breathing well, that's a good idea <laughs> I get all kinds of interesting videos and pictures but I haven't had yeah. that one <laughs> um but I did get a really great mucus plug recently that was that was a good one <laughs> um anyway so yeah so uh irregular is normal but um panting rapid breathing central cyanosis grunting those are all bad choking mm-hmm. is probably not good but they're probably not actually choking <laughs> they're right it's just a matter choking. of you know, um, putting them on their side. And I try to remember to tell people that in the newborn instructions too, it's just like, you know, they should spend some time, you know, tummy to tummy or on their side, you know, under supervision so that they can cough this goo up and not, not sputter on it. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Honestly, babies should be skin to skin, chest to Uh chest for the better part of 72 hours. And so therefore they're mostly going to be in a kind of prone on your chest mm-hmm. position which mm-hmm. is a good good position yeah. for draining and then you good. just need to wipe it like you don't I don't even give people instructions anymore about the the bulb syringe which I used to always do but now it's like an accessory that is never used I mean or rarely used I still sometimes will mention it I'll say it's in your birth kit we didn't mm-hmm. use it if mm-hmm. you need it it's there but yeah yeah uh good great Let's see. Oh, the second night, the the fussy second night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we want to call that? Night two drama. Yes. <laughs> um, such a common, such mm-hmm. a common concern. So what's going on on that night? So, um, you know, so, so you've got the colostrum in the first couple of days and this is what the baby's eating and it. It is enough food, but it's a small amount of food and it, and they do start to get hungrier, you know, when you get to day two and three, you know, it's like a transition process. So they start to be like, Hey, I need more food, you know? And so they're, (laughs) they're nursing and also the milk is starting to come in. So it probably, you know, it's, it's, it's this exciting new thing happening. And they're just like, they nurse a lot to bring it in. That's what I tell people. And, um, it's, uh, So, yeah, I mean, so I just, I'm just always, always trying to just say, hey, just chill out and just feed your baby all night and just be, you just know that you're not going to sleep that night. You know, like I try to just make it be like, you know, let's just release this whole thing about needing to sleep that night and just feed (laughs) your baby, you know, and it never works. It's always just like, (laughs) it's always total drama for sure. This baby is yeah, gassy. Yeah. This baby is fussy. This baby, like, I don't have enough milk, you know, whatever it is. It's like, yeah. no, it's just, it's nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, actually, it's a brilliant design by nature because the more minutes that the baby spends at the breast in the first 72 hours, the faster the milk will come in. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've said this a million times on this podcast, but the more minutes the baby spends on the breast in the first 72 hours, the more prolactin receptors are activated. And as we know, hormones work by, by adhering to receptors in, on cells. 
And if there's no receptors, all the hormones in the world aren't going to do any good. You have to have a receptor to go to. And so mm-hmm. activating those receptors ultimately determines the potential milk supply for the mm-hmm. rest of your nursing period. That does not mean that you can't improve it or increase right. it or work on it, but it is the way to set the stage for a plentiful milk supply. Yeah. Um, it's a real hard night. And I really believe this is how those quote unquote free gifts from formula companies work is this night mm-hmm. because people are more likely to cave mm-hmm. and supplement their baby that night than any other time. Mm-hmm. And it's a slippery slope to supplement your baby in that, in that time period. Yeah. It does set you up for lactation failure. Yeah. So yeah. Don't do it. No baby is expected to take in large volumes that night. They want to, but it's not physiologically necessary at that point. Yeah. I mean, so you just like, you should not even have formula in your house during that first few days. And this is not a judgment on Mm -mm. whether or not you should use formula if you need to, you know, it's a, it's a matter of the, it does, it's a really successful tactic to get people to, cause you're tired and you're desperate and you, and you feel bad about yourself and you think you can't feed your baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just don't it's real the, tempting. Yeah. The baby's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Even if they are really hungry that night, they are going to be fine. So, you know, you can, you can deal with, if there is an actual problem, you can deal with that mm-hmm. in a couple of days. Right. Right. Formula is an intervention, just like, right. you know, any number of birth interventions are out there. Sometimes yeah. we need Pitocin. Sometimes we need right. an epidural. Sometimes we need a C-section. Sometimes mm-hmm. we need formula. Yeah. But very few babies need that intervention on mm-hmm. night two. Mm-hmm. I would right. hesitate. I would, I would, I would venture to say no babies need that intervention mm-hmm. on night two. Right. Because the, they're not designed to take in large quantities mm-hmm. at that point in time. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, if somebody is not making any colostrum or any, anything, of course, there's always an exception to the rule. So, so by no babies, I mean, 99% of babies. Um, good. So, um, so your tips for that night are to just get, get yourself tucked in and be ready to just nurse all night to kind of, would you kind of prep them and say, make sure you sleep a lot today because you're in for, you know, in all likelihood tonight's not going to be easy. I don't do that, but that's really good advice. We should work that in. Just like anticipate that that's going to be a hard night. I don't know. I just try to normalize the stuff is hard sometimes. And, you know, that's one of those times. It's just hard. Yeah. Uh, And I think that second day, so let's mm -hmm. just assume that this, you know, this baby arrives at three o'clock in the morning of night one. That's a pretty typical time. Yeah. So that first day, the baby's not usually nursing that much. They take a big sleep. They're really tired. That first night, they're pretty content to just start, um, you know, kind of waking to nurse on a regular interval. That second day, people have a lot of visitors and guests and people come by to say hi and you're feeling pretty good. So you might be getting up a little bit more. And it's real common not to rest that day. And then that second night is the night that's so rough. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I think just prepping for that and not, not overdoing it, sleeping a lot during the day. Um, I, in general, I, 
encourage people to wake their baby to feed during the day because I think you can sometimes tip the scale so that they're not waking as much during night in during the night in general. But but that's not true for that second night. That second night they just nurse a lot. Yeah. And another little important, you know, physiology fact is that your prolactin levels are highest around four to six in the morning. Maybe it's two to four, two to two to six, somewhere in there. Anyway, it's a you know, it's like a bell curve. Uh-huh. And that's when your prolactin levels are the highest. And therefore, um, the baby nursing at that time of day is, um, it's, it's advantageous for a lot of reasons, including bringing your milk in, which is then likely to happen the morning after the difficult night. So um, that's what happens most of the time, not all of the time. Milk coming in from days two to five is normal, but that day three is the most common mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think getting yourself set up to just surrender to that is a great, yeah, great tactic. Good. How about um, the third, the third most common question is cord care, mm-hmm. but, but more specifically, I think my baby's cord is infected. Right. <laughs> that is the more common presentation of the question. Yeah. This one, I was, I was reflecting that I need to like, be really specific about the cord in my postpartum instructions, even though it is written, but it's one of those things that just drops off because it's, because the cord is pretty self-sufficient. There's not much that needs to be done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it's not like high on the priorities for instructions, but yes. So the cord rots off. It stinks. (laughs) It's gross. (laughs) I mean, it literally rots off. Yes. actually dry gangrene that causes the cord to separate yes it's disgusting it can be slimy it can be oozy it can be a little bloody and these are all normal things smelly and And smelly smelly. yes for sure so it can fall off anytime from like you know the second day to like a week to you know sometimes i've seen them last longer than a week but not usually and, um, and then there's like the stinky stump thingy. That's not, I guess it's not a stump anymore. It's like a, just a site. Remnant. It's yes. A remnant. Maybe. Yes. And then, it, <laughs> and then that thing is oozy sometimes. And so people will send pictures saying, is this pus? No, it's not pus. It's just goo. <laughs> the true warning signs are green discharge mm-hmm. or red streaks not redness around the umbilicus but red streaks radiating out from the umbilicus mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a sign of infection and fever yeah of course so mm-hmm. but just a little redness around it a little ooziness white ooze is really really normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i tell people i think you do too um to leave it alone until it falls off so clean and dry Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, not taking the cord clamp off is associated with the cord stump falling off sooner, which I think is nice. So mm-hmm. not taking the cord clamp off, even though that's not our routine is something that you, that's just mm-hmm. done in Canada and Australia. Interesting. The clamp on. Uh, we usually remove it because it's, it's a pain and it gets caught on things, but, um, but it's actually advantageous to, hmm. um, get the cord off sooner. Um, but don't put anything on the cord keep it clean and dry and outside of the diaper until it falls off and then once it falls off 
I think mm-hmm. it's fine to take a Q-tip di- dipped in rubbing alcohol and mm-hmm. clean it out a little bit. That seems to help with the yeah the you know so last bit. What I say is, if it's really stinky and wet, even if it's still on, they can mm-hmm. put alcohol on it because it dries because it's drying. Mm-hmm. And then same after it falls off, you know, if it's gooey, but if it's, if it's like bloody oozy stuff, I say peroxide mm. instead of alcohol. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I think the rubbing alcohol, I think, cause that's what they used to recommend when I had my first baby, probably mm-hmm. you too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty standard, but I think it kills the gangrene, which probably. makes it take <laughs> yes. longer for the cord. It makes sense. <laughs> Which Maybe those are the ones that last for two weeks. Maybe so. <laughs> I think that's what would happen is it would prolong the yeah. evaporation. Makes sense. Um, but it doesn't smell as bad because it kills the germs. Which yep. is, you know, kind of nice. But yeah. How interesting. Um, I, I know my midwives did, and I learned this as an apprentice, is to put golden seal on the cord. But I don't recommend yeah. this for a couple reasons. Okay. The golden seal is not sterile. You really probably shouldn't put a non-sterile thing on the cord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think golden seal is an endangered species or something like that. There's something mm. about golden seal being, you know, oh. kind of hard to, or over-harvested or something. Um, I could be wrong about that. I'm sure I'll be corrected if I am. Um, but also, again, it's antibacterial and we're actually not, we're trying not to disrupt the process of it's it has been so long since I've had somebody put golden seal on the cord I actually forgot that was a thing up until this moment were you trained that way no but it was like the um the occasional client would would want it as an alternative I think it was done more in Colorado than it was Mm -hmm. in Arizona based Mm -hmm. on what I've heard like our people like Mm -hmm. midwives here versus what you said Mm -hmm. and stuff that could be true but again, it's rotting off. So antibacterial agents, whether herbal or medicinal, yeah. are going to disrupt that process. Really good degree. point. Uh, but also, I think the important point is that it's not sterile. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be putting stuff on that. You want to keep it clean and dry. Yeah. Not put extra stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just, I can't overemphasize how this is such a common, so don't feel self-conscious if you've asked your midwife or asked this question. It's mm-hmm. so common. Almost everybody asks it. Experienced yeah. parents, parents mm-hmm. that just had a baby a year ago, parents yeah. that read every single handout. It's just so disconcerting Yeah, that it's hard to believe that this is actually what it's supposed to look mm-hmm. like. Yeah, because it does look it does look wrong. It's true. Yeah, it's not doesn't look right, Ma. <laughs> it doesn't look right. Yeah. So don't feel self conscious if you were one of the ones asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that we? I mean, I know we wanted to kind of limit it to three questions, but we have extra time. If you can think of anything else that we should cover. Um, how about blood clots? These aren't baby questions. It's oh. not a baby question, but um, I That's sometimes good... get get pictures of blood clots. <laughs> yes. What do you tell people about blood clots? Um, that they're really normal. Um, and it's normal in the first couple of days to have, you know, maybe 
several little clots, maybe one or two larger clots, even like lemon sized, um, depending on how long it's been sitting in there. Cause that's what happens is the, usually is that the blood's just sitting in the uterus and then it comes out and it's been collecting there. Um, but if you're getting like lots of large clots, then they need to call me about that and let me know what's going on. So sometimes I'll get pictures of clots um, to see if they're too big or is this part of my placenta, uh, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah. Um, and I usually just add something like if it's that you're gushing blood and clots, that's really bad. Oh, but if yeah, it's that good. not mm -hmm. much blood has been coming out and yeah. then you stand up and have a clot. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's a really common thing is to come and see somebody on day three and they're like, my bleeding is, is nearly gone. And, right. and I'm like, it's probably not gone. You probably got a clot in there that is plugging, plugging up the cervix. But so. you're just doing a good job of laying down and not being yeah. right. And yeah. it's just sitting in there. Yeah. yeah. So don't be surprised if you have some cramps pass a clot and then you've got heavier bleeding again, that is, you know, of course, not too heavy, but is mm -hmm. kind of back to normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a really common. I'll have people say, oh, I passed a really big clot. And I'll say, how big? And they'll say about the size of a quarter. <laughs> and I just think, oh, dear. <laughs> That's a very small. <laughs> um, any clots that are accompanied by foul smelling discharge, mm -hmm. like not just periodish smell or lochia smell, but a foul smelling discharge or pain or fever are concerning. So. Mm -hmm. um, but pain, just pain meaning like tenderness in the abdomen oh yes not cramping cramping is normal yeah mm -hmm. oh that's a good question let's add this one on maybe we'll do three baby and three parent okay. ones okay postpartum after pains when it's with subsequent babies oh they oh, hurt no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so surprised by this yeah. I knew cramping was normal after birth. Yeah. I knew it was more normal to have cramping with breastfeeding when the baby was nursing. Yeah. I yeah. had no idea how much worse they were with subsequent babies. Yeah. Yeah. It just kicked me on my butt. Oh, so bad. With and baby, they were so bad that I'm certain they were worse than labor. And, you know, and that was, that was the one that I had a, a pretty good hemorrhage with. And, was that you know, your, so I think, I think you cut all... out for just a second. Was that your third baby oh. that you said? Mm -hmm. Third baby. Yeah. So, um, so, and I had, had had a hemorrhage. So I think that played into it too, but, oh, they hurt so bad. And I was like, she doesn't need to eat. I'm like, she's not really hungry. You know, I was like talking myself out of it because they hurt so bad. Because <laughs> you were trying to avoid nursing. Yes. <laughs> I, mine were pretty bad even when I wasn't nursing. It, with my second, my now my third, I was like, okay, baby's out. Give me my ibuprofen. Like I was right, ready for it the third mm -hmm. time. But, um, I, that was a big surprise, a big yeah. surprise. And usually we figure out that that's happening before we leave that, yeah. that first night, you know, assuming the baby's born at night. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm glad that you mentioned the clots because that brought that up for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've got to think of one more, one more birthing parent one. Huh. 
Well, the one I get a lot on day three is, do I really have to stay up here and not go down the stairs, Nedra? <laughs> That's such a good one. And then <laughs> they're trying to get around what I told them. <laughs> I know they are. They're like, and then I'm like, what did Gina tell you? <laughs> you know, like I try, cause I know that I'm like a lot more like relaxed about stairs so I'm always like what did Gina say you know because I don't want to like tell them something different but um yeah so that's really common is that like the just the activity but the um Mm -hmm. getting going up and down the stairs but the thing is you just want to like stay in one spot and not do a lot of ambulation in general other than getting up and going to the bathroom and like normal like healthy ambulation but don't don't like overdo it because your uterus is involuting you're bleeding you know it's it's going to affect all these things and the thing with the stairs is if you've had a perineal tear like mm-hmm. that movement of going you know with your legs going up and down like that is really hard on your stitches so. mm-hmm. or even worse if you had a tiny little tear and no stitches right then it's like pulling that, pulls you know, the, the tissues are like trying to yeah. crystallize together and you're like disrupting that process. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the stitches actually buy you some flexibility mm-hmm. of movement, true, I true. think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually say, don't go down the stairs until your first postpartum visit. And then we'll talk about it again. I don't usually give them a, a long oh, Okay. <laughs> So they might be, so at the first visit, let's say I did the first visit and then you're doing the second visit, which is what it sounds like you're get, when mm-hmm. you're getting this question. Mm-hmm. I usually say, you know, I think you should stay upstairs or not mm-hmm. um, and let Nedra assess when, when she gets here on whatever mm-hmm. day. Um, however, I usually tell people, even if I think they're okay to start going down the stairs, I usually tell them only once a day. Yeah. So go down or up stay down or up as long as you're going to want to be there mm-hmm. and then back. So it's, yeah. it's not coming up and down or, you know, it's not up and down and up and down all day long. Yeah. It's one That's what time. I tell you them can, too. Yeah. Go you can camp there. out, you can go down, camp out all day and then go up for bed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, not all day long. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm actually not that cranky about it. I'm certainly not as cranky about it as other midwives. And actually I believe pregnant people should be getting up frequently yeah. To go to the bathroom because the, the risk of blood clots is real yeah. and you're in a hypercoagulatable state after birth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. laying around too much is not good for you. Sitting around with your bladder full is not good for you or mm-hmm. good for bleeding. Yeah. So I actually believe you should be getting up every one to two hours to go to the mm-hmm. bathroom at least. I agree. Yeah. So you want to move your move your body, move your arms and legs, but not like any kind of like weight bearing stuff or standing right. for long periods or you no know. carrying toddlers, no mm-hmm. carrying laundry, no carrying yeah. things up and down stairs, mm-hmm. no chores, but you should be getting up and moving around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my husband just had knee surgery and they had him up and moving a plus compression hose plus baby aspirin. I mean, they're all about the blood clots these days. Did- did you know make really cute compression hose? I just found this out the other day. They're cute. No, not his. <laughs> his are not cute. Well, I mean, most of them are ugly, but 
now there's like smart companies that have made oh. like cute ones. So we're going to have to hook some people up with these. He would have appreciated that because he had to go get his second vaccine with his compression hose <laughs> and his shorts. So he would have really liked to have had cute ones, I'm sure. Huh. Okay, good. So we did three baby, three parent questions, common postpartum concerns. Good. All right. Well, let us know if you have any other questions that you want us to answer and ask the midwives or practical advice for midwifery practice. And otherwise, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.